Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. Please turn with me. We're picking up in 1 Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 8 to 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 8 to 10. Title of our message is Escaping the Wrath to Come. Escaping the Wrath to Come. Growing up as a young child, my brother and I, would we fought quite a bit. And I mean, just, you know, back and forth as, as kids do. But... Uh, my stepmother would say something that would wake me up when we were acting up. She would just have to say, wait till your father gets home. <laughs> but typically she gave us a warning. She would warn us and say, if you don't stop what you're doing, when your father gets home, I'm going to tell him that you're acting up. And that warning went out, and usually that was it for me. If I heard the warning that my dad's coming home soon, uh, I would straighten up right away because I didn't want the wrath of my father to be upon me when he got home. <laughs> and that's how it was growing up. And I, I truly believe that there's a, a warning that's going out today. It's loud and clear. See, God will come and judge. He is going to judge the whole earth, as we just read in uh, Revelation chapter 3 in our scripture reading. There's going to be a testing. There's going to be, and it's going to be a time of tribulation. We've looked at that when we were in Revelation chapter 6 through 19, the time of tribulation. It's going to be so horrific on this earth. It literally will be hell on earth. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will escape that wrath. We won't be here during that time. Jesus Christ will deliver us from that wrath that will be coming upon the earth. So that's the good news, that we can escape. But there's many that don't know that, and we're called to get that word out, and we're going to look at the wrath to come. There's so much here in our text that we're going to look at, so I'd like to get started. If you can please stand with me, and I'm going to just go ahead and read these three verses. So again, Revelation chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, the apostle Paul is writing to a young church there in Thessalonica, and he writes to them. He says, For from you the word of the Lord has sound, sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from, and can we say this last, last part together? The wrath to come. Lord, thank you for that promise that through Jesus we can be delivered from that wrath to come. Lord, as I look at my notes and realize here we have a whole new uh, service, and Lord, we just pray that you would have your way. Your word's alive, Lord, it's living. Quicken each one of us, Lord, to hear what you have to say. Help us to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So Paul the Apostle is writing this letter. Again, this is a young church that he's writing to. Uh, here he's commending them for what they're doing. He's writing from uh, Corinth as he's writing this letter. Uh, this place, uh, Thessalonica, it's modern-day Greece. And so 
He's been commending them. We looked at that last week. He's continuing to commend them for all this good stuff that they're doing. For me, for us, hopefully, as we look at the book of this, uh, this epistle uh, to this church, this is a good example for us. And I, that's why I'm loving going through this. So this is a great example for each one of us as believers and as a church. So there's a lot here. So I'm gonna, I want to jump right back into verse 8 and look a little closer at this because there's a lot of instruction here. And so Paul writes again to this young church. He says, for from you the word of the Lord has, can we say that out loud? Sounded forth. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia. That's the region, that area. Uh, Macedonia was the region. Uh, Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia. And Achaia, the, the surrounding area. So, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has what? Gone out. So that we do not need to say anything. Paul the apostle as we looked at these last two weeks, he was forced out of Thessalonica. Uh, so he had to leave. Silas and, uh, and uh, both of them, they, they fled because of the persecution. They wanted to kill them. So they ended up in Berea. Then they ended up going over to, to Corinth. But when he was traveling, he's basically saying, listen, he's basically saying, your godly reputation is gone before me in my travels. By the time I get to different places, everybody's talking about how godly you guys are. And so he's commending them for this. And not only that, but they sound forth the, the, uh, the word of God, the, the word of the Lord. So the word of God is going out. I recently received a, an email from someone I haven't seen uh, for a long time. He was an assistant pastor with me at Calvary Costa Mesa. So back like 2000, 2001, we served together under Pastor Chuck Smith. And so he just shot me an email. I haven't heard from him. He started a church um, and I don't know where the, I looked up the church, so it's no longer there, so I, I need to catch up with him. But basically, he said, he said, I'm so blessed to see what the Lord's doing, in other words, in this church. And that's awesome. And when I'm out in my travels, where I'm out and about, even when we go different places, even, you know, sometimes we'll go, you know, way far away from here. I have people coming up to me, say, oh, we watch you online, and we're so excited what the Lord's doing in that church. And I, and I tease, I go, what is he doing? <laughs> You know what he's doing? The word of God is going out and people are being changed and people are going out in the streets. We, do you know we have different groups here that go out? We go, they go to Santa Monica, they go to Seal Beach, they go to, to um, Huntington Beach, the Main Street, the piers. They're going out. What are they doing? They're sounding out. You know what that word sounding forth means? It, it means to a trumpet blast. It means that it's ringing out loud and clear. I believe that's what's happening here. It's ringing out. The word of God's just ringing out. People are going out, telling people about Jesus. And then they come here. And after service, I get to meet the new people. And I'll, you know, I'll talk to them. And I'll say, how'd you find out about this church? And, and uh, you know, different things will, they'll say. But uh, quite a few times they'll say, well, you know, I was just walking there in downtown Huntington. And this lady named Joy invited me. <laughs> and she started sharing with me. And I gave my life to Christ. And so you see that. And then, check this out. Then we have new believers. And this is really exciting for me. New believers come here. They give their life to Christ. They, they start walking with the Lord. And they're, they're inviting their friends. And so I meet them at the front door. It's like, yeah, Peter invited me. Or yeah, this guy invited me. Or this guy. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm thinking, these guys are new. It's sounding out. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. Don't miss this picture here that we're seeing here in this, this uh, chapter. Paul the apostle, when he was there, he taught them the word of God, and now they're taking it in, 
but then they're getting it out. Guys, that's what all of us are called to do. When the Word of God, we, we get fed the Word of God, we spend time in the Word of God, we're not supposed to just keep the Word of God in, in us to, to grow, but we're to get it out. We're to, to spread the good news. We're to find out, you know, who do you want me to talk to, Lord? You pray that prayer, you ask the Lord to show you who to talk to. Believe me, the harvest is plentiful. It's the labors that are few. Amen? So that's what they were doing. The Word of God was going forth. Great verses that go with this. Psalm 96.2. It says, sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim the what? Good news of his what? Salvation, Salvation from what? Day to day. That means every day, proclaim his good news. Proclaim the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. And what, what happens when you do, when you're pouring out, guess what? God pours into you. Amen? I love what I do here. I seriously do. I, I love teaching and preaching the gospel. But I... Personally, when I'm out on the streets, when I share, I love that even better. Why? Because I, there's something that happens when we're out on the streets. Just God just pouring in. As you're pouring out, it's like, you know, this is what God does. And that goes with Proverbs 11:25. It says, "The generous soul will be made what? Rich, and he who waters will also be." As you pour out and water, you water, you you bring out the word of God. God keeps pouring in. Amen. And then this verse, Philemon, Paul the Apostle writes to Philemon, don't miss this, he's commending this man Philemon, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love, of the, your love and the faith which you have towards who? The Lord, Jesus, and all the saints. So he's writing this letter, he says, I love what's going on there and your love for the saints, your love for Jesus, but check this out, what he prays for. He says, and this is the, our, uh, the Revised Standard Version, because I, I love how this is, is put this way. It says, and I pray that the, sh the sharing of your faith may promote the knowledge of all the good that is ours in Christ. In other words, as you share your faith, it'll promote that love even more that you have for Christ. And when as you're sharing, it's, it promotes something you realize, God, yours is so good. And you pray for somebody. Listen to this. Have you ever done this? You pray for somebody and they accept Christ and then you look at them and they're like, they're transforming right before your eyes. You're like, what? And the, wow. Remember I told you this, uh, what happened when I was at Calvary Costa Mesa? Remember the, remember the couple came up there from Boston and remember she had an anger problem and so the husband says, my wife needs prayer, she's got an anger problem, remember that? And I look over, I, I kid you not, she was like, she just had this like, this, I'm like, wow, what's going on? I mean, talk about it. it's written all over your face, it was written all over her face. I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating him a little bit. She prayed to receive Christ, she wasn't a Christian. Her whole face changed, and she started smiling. She was glowing. I was like, and I looked at them. I, said, I told the husband, I said, look at her. And he goes, wow. <laughs> that the sharing of your faith may promote the knowledge of all the good that is, in, that is ours in Christ. As you share, it ministers to you. Amen? I love what the, the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody said, he says, when a man is filled with the word of God, you cannot keep him still. Isn't that true? When you're filled with the word of God, you're like, I need to tell somebody. That's what it should do. It should promote that in you. You, you receive the word. Just like Jeremiah. Remember, Jeremiah said, I'm not going to speak anymore for the Lord. I'm not going to do it. And it says it burned in his bones. He couldn't help himself. And that, if you're really taking in the word of God, and that's what he's saying, that you, you, you can't keep him still. And it says, if any man has got the word, he must speak or die. Because we need to get it out. How about this? I, someone said this. The church that does not evangelize will what? 
fossilize. You don't evangelize, even personally, not just the church. If you're not evangelized, you're going to become stagnant. You're going to become dead spiritually. You need to get it out. Amen? Sadly, the word of God today is not being taught in many churches. It's not being proclaimed. Yeah, they, they do topical studies a lot, and they're just one verse or two verses, and they, they take verses out of context. They, they have their whole sermon just already made out, and then they throw verses in there to try to, to say what they're trying to say, even when it's out of context. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're, just, we're supposed to interpret Scripture with what? Scripture. scripture. And sadly, a new Barna poll study shows that, check this out, only 12% of youth pastors and, and children's ministry pastors, 12% only have a, world, a Christian worldview. 12%. That's, that means seven out of eight, seven out of eight do not have a Christian worldview. Seven out of eight. Why do you think we're so concerned here in this church? Uh, we're very busy. We don't really have extra time to do more things. But guess what? We're going to rescue as many kids as we can. Why? Because of this kind of stuff. Listen, by the age of 18 years old, typically a person, a child, when he, gets, when he becomes 18 years old, pretty much studies show that by that time, pretty much their worldview is already set. It's already settled what they believe by 18 years old. And so the church should be interjecting in there and, and using the Bible to, to interject with truth, to, to combat the lies that are going on. But look at what's happening in our churches today. 12% only are combating that with truth, with a biblical worldview. That's, that's not good. And what happens when you take the Bible out of, out of the pulpit? It's disastrous. What happens when you take the Bible out of the schools like we've done already? It's disastrous. What happens when you take the Bible out of these universities? It's disastrous. Well, you might say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? What do you mean disaster? Well, what about this? This is what happens. So it says a man, 66-year-old man, says he was barred from donating blood after refusing to answer if he was pregnant. A man. Is this lunacy? Listen, when you take the Bible out, anything goes, Right? Let me read this to you. A 66-year-old Scottish man who has donated blood for years says he was turned away after refusing to answer if he was pregnant or had recently been pregnant. Guys can't get pregnant. I'm sorry. That's biblical. And they tell us, follow the science. But guys, this is sad. Why? Because... This is what happens again when you take the word of God out. The church in Thessalonica, they were sounding out. They were sounding forth the word of God, the word of God. Why? Because it's truth. And when you don't have the word of God in a society, confusion comes and anything can happen. Okay, did you guys, how many saw this, this video, Pig or You? Can you raise your hand if you've seen this? Okay, only about three or four people. Check this out. This is children's books now. These for young children teaching abortion is safe. Abortion, no, Follow the science, guys. These are real babies being murdered in the womb. There's, heart, there's a heartbeat there. They feel, they have feelings. We've already gone through this. And Lord, help us when we turn this around and we spin it in such a way where it sounds like, oh, no, no, no. The government has no right to intrude. Yeah, the government has no right to intrude on a woman's rights. I'll give you that, but it's not the woman. It's a, it's a baby. The DNA is different. It's a child. It's another life. And murder should always be against the law. Amen. But then you have good news like this. The Iowa Supreme Court rules abortion is not protected by the state constitution. That's awesome. Can we give Lord a hand for that, please? 
The Iowa Supreme Court on Friday cleared the way for lawmakers to severely limit or even ban abortions in the state, reversing a decision by the court just four years ago that guaranteed the right to abortion under the Iowa Constitution. So that's what happens when truth is interjected. These things change. Let's look back. Next verse. So Paul continues to commend this young church, and he says, For they themselves, the people that he runs into, declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from, can we say that out loud, please? Idols. To do what? To serve the living and true God. So Paul is saying, these people that I'm running into, they know that we were used mightily in your lives. Your testimony is going out. They, they realize you've, you're turning from idols. You're turning from terrible things. And you're turning to the living God, the true and living God. Uh, just a definition of idol. An idol can be anything, listen, that keeps you from having a full, devoted life in Christ. It could be a person. It could be a practice. It could be a career. It could be a hobby. It could be a mindset. Anything, listen, for Father's, for Father's Day. Guys, the best thing we can do is surrender everything to the Lord and allow him to be the center of everything. Anything that comes in the middle of that, it's an idol. And this church is an example. Listen, the church in Thessalonica, this is the early church. What do they do? They turn from those things. They turn from idols. Let me put a challenge out here to the fathers. Your role is so important in these children's lives. If there's an idol in your life, anything that's keeping you from a full, devoted life to Christ, in Christ Jesus, can I suggest that you destroy it, you give it to the Lord, you turn from it, and you start serving the Lord? It's so important in the days that we live in. And this is not a time, listen, this is not a time for compromise. In my morning devotion, I'm going through the book of Genesis and Revelation. And as I'm going through the book of Genesis, I'm reading about Jacob and how, how Jacob, in chapter 34, how just devastation took place in his family. Dinah, his daughter, got defiled and then there was it brought it brought death and it was just so bad so bad that finally the Lord spoke to Jacob and what did he tell Jacob check this out this is Genesis 35 it says then the God said to Jacob arise and go to can we say it out loud do you remember Bethel Bethel was the place listen guys the place where Jacob first met the Lord. When the Lord first met Jacob. It was, it was his first love. It was that place. He's saying, go back to that place. Go back to that place where I first met you. Go back there. And that's a good exhortation on Father's Day. Guys, let's go back to that place where we first met the Lord, where we first fell in love with God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, the one that forgives us and cleanses us and renews us. And so he's, asked, he's asking Jacob, go back to Bethel. Why? He says, and dwell there and make an altar to God. Put God first. Because your life's a mess, your family's a mess. Who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household, don't miss this, he's, he's the head of the house. He's telling his household, these are grown-up kids, these are young kids, this is his grandkids, they're all a mess, everything's out of control. But he tells his household, and to all who were with him, he said, put away what? The foreign gods, idols. He tells his whole family, that's it. As for me and my house, I'm going to start serving the Lord. This is a mess. Death is taking place. Uh, defilement is taking place. Let's, let's make a change. Let's get rid of this foreign stuff. Guys, I truly believe with all my heart, we are living in the last days. How many here believe that we're living in the last days? Every hand should be up right now. I don't see all hands, so we'll talk to the ones that don't have their hands up. 
We're living in the last of the last days. Let me give you this. We're living in the last hours, even into the last minutes. Jesus Christ can come at any time to rapture his church, to take us to be with him. We're going to look at that also. And there's a warning. There's a call that's going out. Let's get rid of foreign stuff. Let's get rid of anything that's coming between us and the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. So he tells his whole family, put away foreign gods that are among you. And can we say that out loud? Purify yourselves and change your garments. Repentance, be pure, be holy, get rid of that. Whatever the garments were, I don't know, they were probably dressed in the garments that were okay in that day, which was probably very seductive. Then let us arise and go to where? And I will make an altar there to God. He's telling his family, who answered me in the day that I was in distress and has been with me the way in which I've gone. So they gave Jacob, can we say it out loud, all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. The earrings were pagan worship, part of the pagan worship. They had earrings that went along with their pagan worship to foreign gods. And they said, let's get rid of all this garbage. And Jacob hid them under the, what? Can we say it out loud? Terebinth tree which was by Shechem. In other words, listen, they buried him. Interesting, a tree too, by the tree. Jesus Christ died on a cross. He died on a tree. He was nailed to the tree. And you and I, as believers, we can bury that, all that sin, anything that gets in the way, gets in the way of us having a full, devoted life in the Lord. Amen? Amen. But what did they do? So they turned from idols, but they served the living God. They, They turned from things that were foreign and not right. They turned away from it. And this is very important. And I pray that we get this. They served the living God. They, they didn't just sit there idle. They started serving. And I believe it's so important that we keep busy about the work of the Lord. Why? Because if we don't, we can get in trouble. There's, do you know this? There's no such thing as a super Christian. You guys know that? I'm a super Christian. <laughs> Nothing can do anything to me. There's really no such thing as a super Christian. No, no, no. We can do all things through Christ that gives us our strength. And it's him that keeps us. But it's important. This is a a good example of what a church should look like. Turning away from the things of this world. Turning away from sin. Turning away from anything that can, can consume us and keep us away from a relationship, a full relationship with God. But then what? Keep busy with the things of the Lord. Back in Michigan, when I gave my life to Christ, October 1995, No one had to tell me to just, you go serve. I just did. We were meeting in a school, so I said, what do you need? What kind of help do you need? And so, you know, set up the chairs and, and, uh, you know, put put everything together, the sound system. Let's do whatever it takes. And I was just like, just busy about the things of the Lord. Looking back, I'm like, wow, I could have gotten a lot of trouble if I wasn't so busy. Seriously. Fathers, stay busy about the things of God. Because listen, I'm going to challenge you. If you are not busy about the things of the Lord, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. When you put him first and you serve the Lord by serving others, it helps tremendously. Because as someone once said, idle hands is the devil's playground. Jesus even said, if anyone, can we say that out loud, serves me, let him follow me. He's our example. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve Follow him. Follow his example. And where I am, there my what? Servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Father's, Father's Day, you want to be honored by God, you just keep serving the Lord. 
You ask him just to bless the work of your hands, find out what your calling is, what, what you've been called to do, and ask the Lord, God, use me to the fullest capacity. Amen? Galatians 5.13 goes great with this. It says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. That's freedom. But do not use liberty or your freedom as an opportunity for the what? Flesh. In Christ Jesus, guess what? Because of Jesus Christ, I'm set free. I have such freedom. I'm not under the law. I'm under the grace of God. I can do whatever I want, whatever God calls me to do. So that freedom that you have, don't use that freedom for the flesh, but through love, do what? The Lord is just prompting people just to you know, serve in all different capacities, and it's a powerful thing. So it's not that. It's, this is the early church. This is what they did, and this is what we're called to do. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as he changes us from glory to glory.